This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, and his attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to start off with uh, just some of the legal. There's a lot of different moving parts to this legal situation. But Friday night, there's an incident in northern Rhode Island, and the Burville police start chasing this uh, individual that I, th- I think he eluded them the day before. <clears throat> and then um, he's from Gloucester. So anyhow, they... Starts off, they uh, even one of the officers fires at him on 146 because he's allegedly running his cruiser at the at the officer. They uh, the Providence police pick up the chase. They hear about it. So be on the lookout for they have the, the, the vehicle and they the vehicle ends up in the back of women and infants hospital where this guy's actually on the sidewalk. Now, he's got his daughter in the car. According to police, he's backing up. Uh, he's backing up and there's a nurse there in police there and two Providence police officers discharge their weapons. And it's a, a fatal encounter. If you wouldn't let, let's start off just walking through attorney general's office, state police, they were on scene. They're going to handle the investigation. Just how, uh, counselor Dodd sees this, this case breaking out. Well, the first thing that's going to be examined is for Barville and Providence and wherever else this guy might have traveled through, what the uh, pursuit policy is for these various police departments. There's different rules as to when you can engage in hot pursuit. Um, There's a difference whether you're pursuing, let's assume somebody has just robbed a bank and the bank employees say, he's getting away, he's in a white um, whatever. Truck truck and and now the police get get that vehicle in their sights and it's a hot pursuit at high rate of speed those are typically justifiable and if you cross from your own jurisdiction let's say providence into a different jurisdiction let's say cranston um, there's rules for when the hot pursuit can cross over city or town lines into the uh, neighboring jurisdiction or jurisdictions so that'll be the first thing that gets analyzed. I mean, this guy, um, I think, was wanted on an outstanding warrant. If he were to have simply stopped and been arrested, he would have been held at the ACI and presented in court. Um, So, yes, he fled from officers the day before. That's typically something that will get cops rather irritated with you. And when they see you the next time, they're going to want to get you. But the question will be, just because this guy fled from officers the day before, now they see him again, what is the legitimacy of the, of the pursuit that they engaged in? That's going to be the first issue. Okay. Now, now we get to Providence. And again, the, the cops are pursuing him. Uh, one of the things that they would have heard through the police dispatch was that this guy had already tried to allegedly utilize his vehicle to hit, I guess, the Barville cops and shots were fired there. So now the adrenaline's flowing. The cops are on alert that this is a guy who might be using his vehicle in an attempt to use it as a weapon to hit cops. So... He's now on the sidewalk. He's, I believe, backing up. Uh, There's a nurse. There's two cops. Um, I think these cops in in their thinking, you know, and these are split-second decisions. Right. Like, oh, he's using his car again. He's going to try to hit us. Now, that's using your vehicle as a deadly weapon. You know, there's many, many cases that are charged as felonies. 
assault with a deadly weapon. Your car can be seen as a deadly weapon if you are using it in a manner to try to ram into somebody or hit somebody or hit another vehicle, you name it. So I think that at the end of the day, the officers who fired shots, one, I believe, killed the operator and the other wounded the daughter passenger. Um, Those actions of those officers, I think, would be deemed justifiable. I think there's going to be a different analysis with what occurred at the start of this whole event in Barville. because there was a warrant. It was not that he had just robbed a bank. It's not that he had just you know, left a house that he had like gone into a house and done some real bad violence to some right. family members. This is a different level of criminal conduct. And it's going to be a real question. Was, the, was that chase, was that high-speed chase across different cities and towns justified based upon what this guy is alleged to have done? Tim Dodd, at, at first blush, a couple different um, twists to this. <clears throat> One is they initially, um, I went to the press conference on Saturday and the chief of Barville explained they broke off the chase initially, but then they saw that he was stuck in traffic on 146. So then they figured they, you know, this is the chance to get him. But when it first came over, uh, so as they're going to get him, I think it was that there's a Subaru dealership on 146. Uh, that's where then the, the officers contend that he was driving his uh, vehicle at the officers as they were out of their vehicle to try to pull him out and arrest him. Um, but when when one of the Burville officers discharged his weapon, it initially went over the, the you know, police radio and the scanner. Everyone picked up that that it was the suspect that had fired on police. They, they then came back, um, the dispatcher, a few minutes later. I think in kind of been like unclear or strike that or something to that effect of it was actually maybe the police, but could that somehow play in? Um, it reminds me, Tim Dodd, when that, you know, that guy stole the police cruiser. Yes. They initially thought the rifle was, was in, was, was taken out of the, the vehicle when in fact the, the state trooper kept the, the rifle in his trunk. But when, when the police first found the vehicle, they said that the vehicle was missing from the, I think the, like the back seat or whatever, some part of the vehicle. I, I thought the same thing. It, it yeah. harkened back to that whole event with um, a sort of a wild chase, multi-departmental chase. And I, I, that one was a little bit different because the guy had originally stolen a state stolen. police cruiser yeah. that tends to get um, cops of, any department pissed off when you're stealing their, their cruiser Um, and they were going to give chase and they were going to get that guy. Um, This, yes, the first report that shots were fired by the suspect would certainly, I think, put, put the police officers who were engaged in the chase or the ultimate stop, even on higher alert. I, I presume there will be body cam footage from the officers who ultimately fired the shots to see if, you know, was this guy really backing up? Was he in close proximity to them? Um, You know, what, what was the scene as captured on video? Um, These videos are are proving to be very valuable to really um, determine how events unfolded. Sometimes, favoring um, the prosecution, sometimes favoring a defendant, depending on what the video shows. Um, in this case, it, it's, we've talked about this many times. Uh, cops don't always get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. I think there's, they don't go out in the morning saying, we're going to, let's go shoot at some car today. But Split second decisions have to get made out there. You know, we've we've got the luxury of hindsight. We might be able to look at videos and say, "Well, you shoulda, coulda, woulda." Um, but these are hard decisions and hard cases where you know, if you're the cop, either you may go home or you may not, depending on how this thing shakes out with uh, any suspect. Anytime they make a stop, it's. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's you or them. You know? So it becomes a very difficult split second decisions, which are easy, easy to criticize. In this one, I think the jury is still out on whether yep. the conduct was appropriate. And I think the fact that the state police isn't, is involved in this, they're very good at these things. They call yep. it, they call, call it like it is. Uh, they assign blame if there's blame to be assigned where it should. Um, and the AG is involved with it as well. This is one that I think they'll take their time to make sure they get it right because it's such a high-profile case. Yeah, we don't know about the Burville situation, Tim Dodd, but I, I would venture to say I think the Providence police are in the clear. I mean, for crying out loud, the guys yes. on the sidewalk outside of women and infants of all places. So, and the nurse involved, I, I think they have a lot of cover. I agree. Um, they they didn't initiate it. They were just responding to it. But I think they're totally in the clear. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DeVito Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. We speak with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, I, you and I have been talking about Charline Access. I have to admit, I'm actually kind of, I'm shocked that it's been dismissed. However, maybe it's one of those things that it's going to appear and come back to us in a different fashion. But this business of uh, those that file don't have standing, um, let's hear your thoughts on it well yes the the screaming headline is that the the individuals uh, appealing or or challenging the shoreline access legislation that their case was dismissed so you might read the headline not you but others might read that and say oh case closed well no it's not case closed (laughs) the case was not dismissed on the merits of the legal argument it was not dismissed on a determination on the constitutionality or unconstitutionality of this particular legislation. It was dismissed because the judge found that these plaintiffs did not have appropriate standing to sue the defendants that they chose to sue. I believe they chose to sue Peter Nerona's office. I think they sued DEM and there's a couple of other defendants. I think what's really going to have to happen with this, well, let me back up. One of the um, matters that was um, put forth in the complaint was that these individuals who might own property that are waterfront um, might be exposed to prosecution if they attempted to get individuals off their property for, let's say, trespassing. There were also allegations within their complaint that this legislation resulted in an unfair and unlawful taking of their property without compensation. The court never got to any of those arguments saying that, you know, you've sued the wrong defendants and the claims that you're making that you could be exposed to prosecution or other penalties if you do this. Um, was too speculative. Um, So the judge found at least two, if not more, reasons to dismiss the complaint. Now, my understanding is that this group of 50 or so individuals have engaged the services of a national law firm who specializes in these um, waterfront access cases, So you can be sure that they'll come back and they'll repackage and resubmit the case. 
um, they have a perfect right to do it because the judge didn't dismiss the case on the merits of their claims. It was more a procedural dismissal of the case. I still think that if this gets in front of the right um, judge based upon the correct allegations, that the, the argument is really that this legislation is unconstitutional on its face. Um, it seems to me that it abrogates the provisions of the Rhode Island Constitution. And there will be, at some point in the future, a full and fair hearing on all of the elements of this statute and the legality and constitutionality um, of the legislation. It's not going to end with this dismissal. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, Sunday night, Patriots uh, hosting the Dolphins on the third level. There's some kind of altercation. It's one of those games that, you know, there's people wearing Patriots jerseys. There's people wearing Dolphin jerseys. At some point, some altercation, uh, this 53-year-old guy from New Hampshire, at this point, it's early. We don't know if he was trying to either break it up or maybe he was. We, we don't know what role he played, but... According to, you know, the reports out of Gillette, that the Dolphin fan at least struck him at least twice. And then this guy died at the Patriots game on Sunday night. We're learning more now. I believe initial autopsy is they're saying he had a medical episode. So at some point, um, I would imagine we're going to learn who it was who was in the Dolphin jersey that that struck him. But. I'm wondering if, based on what we know so far, if you see any potential charges coming out of this case. It's it's hard to, I mean, clearly the Patriots fan, from what I understand, I mean, I think he would, he's deceased, but is there would at least be a criminal complaint for simple assault. It could be yeah. a complaint for felony assault. I'm not sure you would get into... Um, anything for it's too soon to know but my understanding is that this guy who ultimately died had a patriots jersey on yeah he was being i think heckled or there was some uh, trash talking maybe between him and some miami dolphins fans one of the dolphins fans punches him twice in the head at least drops him and he's never moved again um, some of the people around tried to do some CPR until the um, EMTs arrived. He never regained consciousness. And I'm not sure if he died in the stands or in the ambulance or when they got him to the hospital, but he died. Now, this cases that we all know of where somebody um, is struck, they fall backwards, they hit their head on a rock or on a you know, curbing or something and they die from a head injury. Um, At first blush, one might think that's what happened to this guy when he got hit in the head a couple of times, either the the force of the blows to his head or if he hit something when he allegedly went down, um, could have caused his death. This issue of a potential medical issue causing his death, what, what would that be? We're speculating. Would it be a heart attack? Right. You know, now if it was a heart attack and he had a heart attack because he was all, you know, upset because of the conduct that was coming his way from these fans, um, would that be criminal if, you know, if they were trash talking him and he was maybe giving it back to him, maybe he wasn't, he has a heart attack. Would that then result in a criminal prosecution regarding the death aspect? Probably not. Clearly, there will at least be charges for, as I said, the assault, maybe a felony assault. Um, And again, it sounds like it's only the preliminary um, autopsy. I would presume this guy's family might seek out to have their own private autopsy done. Uh, supplemental autopsy after the fact to really see where um, the fault lies or what the medical condition was that led to this guy's death. You know, the, the, the initial reports, I think, John, were also that there's no indication that any head trauma caused his death. Right. So that 
might be good news for the assailant here. The Dolphin fan, Tim Dodd, and again, I know we're we're uh, right now just because we're way more detail speculating, but uh, is it a very possible you could say, hey, listen, that guy, he took the first swing. I was just defending myself. I even said, are you, you know, are you going to do something about it? I think Mac Jones is terrible. Are you going to do something about it? He swung first. Again, without knowing everything, it potentially in this type of situation, it, it sounds like it could be a little bit of a of a self defense potential argument. Well, yeah, I guess that would depend. I'm guessing there's a bunch of witnesses who observed this. Whether they yeah. made themselves known or not would be right. issue one. And whether I mean, I would presume that um, Gillette Stadium has pretty good. Um, surveillance um, right. cameras and other equipment to capture what's ever going on um, in the stands. So I'm guessing that we will learn that there's video showing exactly what happened or, you know, bystanders who might be coming yeah. forward to say, this is what happened. You're right. If the, if the guy that ultimately died, was he giving as good as he got or was he just sitting there and, you know, Let's assume, let's assume the Patriots fan hypothetically said to these Miami fans, your team sucks. There are yeah. you know, other derogatory terms describing <laughs> the Dolphins. That doesn't warrant getting slugged in the face. No. no. So unless there were some initial um, threatening acts by the Patriots fan, um, if there's nothing like that out there other than saying the Dolphins suck, that would not create a good self-defense argument for the Dolphins fan. <laughs> there have to be something more. Yeah. Tim Dodd, this is, I mean, to me, before we take a break, but I'm reminiscent, this is what it was like Foxborough Stadium, like late 80s. <clears throat> I remember going to a Patriot game, maybe it was 88, right around there, 88, 87. I mean, they were terrible. There were maybe between 20 to 25,000 people who would go, and it was just you know, the parking lot was a, a mud mess. It was those old benches at the stadium, aluminum. Um, the, the fans, it was just like drunken mayhem in the stands. There were a lot of problems. I, I thought they'd kind of clean some of that up. It's unfortunate it happened to the third level. And, well, yeah, I mean, older, we, we, but... always think, we always think that these types of um, actions in the stadium, in the stands – or more specific to like the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles or, yeah, the, the, or Washington or maybe even right. New York, but we don't think it's going to happen here. No. I mean, I'm sure there's also security footage as to how many times, well, how many times did the assailant go up to any of the beer stands to get beers sure. many, or, or the decedent? Of course, right. we can't fully calculate based upon that because so many people go to the game early, they're tailgating, and they tailgating, walk into yeah. the stadium bombed already. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of alcohol consumption, um, certainly it's a big profit uh, generator for, for the team and the owners, but it can yeah. create lots of problems. Yeah. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DeCutro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. 
Tim, uh, going to some of the national stories, uh, what, what are you to make of starting off with, it might seem that our friend Lynn Wood is saying they believe is cooperating with this Georgia investigation. Well, it's, it's interesting because that story is put out there, um, followed by um, commentary by a bunch of presumably left-leaning um, law professors uh, discussing what the implications of Linwood's cooperation is going to be uh, regarding the Georgia case, followed by Linwood making a press announcement saying, I don't know what these people are talking about. You know, I've been listed as a witness in this case. I don't know anything about the facts of this case. I don't know why I'm being named as a prosecution witness. Um, I've got nothing to tell. I don't know nothing. I don't know anything about the facts of the, the first two cases that are going to trial. You know, the prosecution and the defense, as part of the pretrial process, list all of their witnesses. Okay? So many times, lots of witnesses are named almost as flack, uh, just to drive the other side crazy, thinking, oh, my God, what are they going to have this guy say? What's this person going to say? Why are they going to have this guy on the list? Lynn Wood is saying, I don't know why I'm on the prosecution's witness list. I'm not a prosecution witness. I've got nothing to say on this case. So the headline is Lynn Wood is is probably flipped and is cooperating with the prosecution. Um, I'm not sure that that's necessarily accurate. It could be, but you've got conflicting reports. Just because he's named on the prosecution's list of potential witnesses doesn't mean he's cooperating or that he has flipped. And if if he does flip and he does attempt to cooperate, this guy's been on all sides of many issues. So, I mean, I think the defense would have a field day if he gets on the stand. He's a, this is a guy who retired from practicing law to avoid disbarment. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's been successful. He's been controversial. And ultimately, um, you know, his um, tactics kind of caught up with him and he was yeah. compelled to retire. So... I don't know how great of a witness he's going to be. I mean, I don't know if he is the, I don't know if he's the, the nail in the coffin that um, croaks the defense's case. I'm not sure that's really hangs together. Tim Dodd, since January 6th happened, we've been hearing about this name, this guy, Roy, uh, Ray Epps, and it started online and then Tucker Carlson started to go after him. This guy was seen as like a, he was there the night before. And then that day kind of encouraging people. And then, uh, 60 Minutes even did a piece on that Tucker Carlson would, would go after this guy as a Fed, and that's why he did. Well, he got arrested this week. So, number one, what can you tell us about those charges? Number two, what does this do for the lawsuit against Fox News and Tucker Carlson, who, you know, this guy was, Ray Epps was, was claiming that because of Tucker Carlson, his life was turned upside down. Well, there's two different things. I mean, Tucker Carlson was making claims, you know, that this guy, you know, I'm not sure if he ever came out right out and said he's a federal agent. He was a plant. He was undercover. He was looking to incite the crowd. Those were all of the aspersions that Tucker Carlson was making. Yeah. I don't recall if he said it so overtly, but... Certainly, if you listen to Tucker Carlson, his message was loud and clear that this guy, Ray Epps, is a fed. He's a plant. He was in there, you know, at at the behest of the government to whip this crowd into a frenzy to cause the events which ultimately occurred. Um, There's lots of video of this guy, Ray Epps, exhorting the crowd. We're going into the Capitol. We're going in. You know, he's really is exhorting the crowd. Um, He's wearing a Trump hat. He's holding a Trump sign. Um, he was a very curious presence in, in that whole chaotic scene that was developing. So he's protested his innocence. He says, I'm not a Fed. You've ruined my life, Tucker Carlson. I'm not a Fed. I wasn't a plant. Um, now he's being charged, I believe, with, I believe it's just disorderly conduct, a very yeah. minimal um, misdemeanor charge and i believe he's already ready to um go in and plead built plead guilty um through a very early and strategic plea bargain agreement now 
a cynic might say, well, he's he's taken the hit. He's going to, you know, plead to a, a minimal, minimal charge here to um, suggest that, you know, he wasn't a Fed because if he was a Fed, he wouldn't have been charged criminally. Um, I haven't taken, but I'm sure others will take the time to compare what Epps is captured doing on video versus what some of the other similarly situated um, sure. January 6th defendants were doing and comparing what sort of prosecution and disposition of uh, other people as compared to Epps and what type of treatment they're getting. Um, you know, Epps was like one of the stars of that day. He was all yeah. over the place on video. So I, I, I would like to see an analysis of other defendants and what happened to them criminally uh, versus what's going to come this guy's way, which seems to be the most minimal of minimal charges and a quick, you know, easy peasy disposition of the case. Sticking with uh, <clears throat> some of the ongoing situation with President Trump, Tim Dodd, how much, uh, going back to Mar-a-Lago and the document case, you had this woman that worked at the White House. She then left and then worked for the president in Mar-a-Lago. And um, it would appear, I believe, she would be identified as witness number two in the document case against the president. And uh, this is someone on a front row seat at the White House, front row seat of Mar-a-Lago. Some of the accusations coming out, um, you know, that some like posted notes or just scribbled notes were on documents that were classified, but it, it seemingly where potentially it could be a problem for the defense is, is this is someone who was saying that the president was instructing her, remember, you know, you don't know anything about these boxes. And I, I'm just curious, some of your thoughts on what they're saying is a direct witness tied in with the document case. Well, <clears throat> I, I think she is a witness who, um, certainly makes for a great headline yep. um, headlines adverse to, to Donald Trump. You know, she claims that when um, discussions were had about the boxes of evidence being sought um, that Trump would say to her, you don't know anything about that. And, you know, you know, the talking, the talking point is that we've given over everything that we've got. That's what allegedly he was saying things of that nature to, right. to this Cassidy Hutchinson. If I'm not mistaken, Cassidy Hutchinson. No, was this... the, there's two different individuals. The, the, the woman of the documents, Cassidy Hutchinson, we're going to get to. That was the one January 6th with the Rudy Giuliani and the groping. This is um, a woman who uh, we, we hadn't known her. She's not the name. We've never seen her testify, but she was, in essence, um, working directly for the and, and not to interrupt you, Tim Dodd, but um, <clears throat> in, interrupt the the individual that Molly Michael is the woman. That oh, that's right. Working yeah, that there's, there's so many people. There's so many no, people there are. swirling there around, are. but she could be very harmful <clears throat> okay. um, because we don't yet know enough about her motives. Um you know, the next person we're going to speak about, Cassidy Hutchinson, has a book deal. She's said yeah. other controversial things in the past. This individual claims that Trump said, you don't know anything about these documents, and claims that Trump would write notes on the back of, let's say, classified documents. Well, where are the documents? Did she retain any of them? Is there any evidence that these things were actually being passed around the office that he would write notes, you know, go get me my lunch on the, on the back of a classified Classic document. It, it wow. seems like it's either a stretch of this individual's imagination or she's got the smoking gun because she kept some of this paperwork or handed sure. it over to the feds and they've got it, you know, or did it, did it happen or did it not happen? If it did, it seems the height of either um, negligence on Donald Trump's part, incompetence on his staff's part, or just arrogance and hubris that they can do anything they want with classified documents. It's hard to believe, but in the Trump world, you, know, you, you can't discount anything. <laughs> anything is possible, I guess, is the better way to put it. Um, 
but it's a it's a great headline. It's a great allegation. I would just like to know if the feds are in possession of classified documents where Trump sure. is scribbling on the back of them. You know, yeah. uh, change my tea time to to ten instead of eight in the morning. Right. I, I don't know what it's going to show. Could Dad, could this also be um, though? This is you know one of the individuals that because of her cooperation, especially the part about remember now you don't know anything about those documents. Tell them we sent them that that kind of you know strengthened they felt was just you know a strength for their case yes and, and as you and i have discussed many times with all of these cases against president <clears throat> trump percolating out there the one where i think he has the most jeopardy yep and will be most difficult for him to run the table and be found not guilty on everything is the mar-a-lago case the he's got he's yeah. got problems that yeah. he's got problems um even if he had the right to keep the documents, let's assume he had the right to keep all those documents under the Presidential Records Act. Yep. He still lied. He was still misrepresented. Um, and all of that is obstruction. If he's yeah. got the documents, he never said, I've got these documents. I'm not giving them to you. I want to go to court and get a ruling from a judge because I think these are exempt from your subpoena. He didn't do any of those things. He just lied and had his people lie and say, we've given you everything. I, I think he's going to have a very difficult time um, with those particular counts. It's, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but remember, remember Martha Stewart. She yes. had some shenanigans with yeah. her stock transactions. The, the, that might not have been completely appropriate the way she handled the in and out of her stock trading. But she went to jail because she lied to the feds when they interviewed her. That's right. So you can look at, you know, the Trump situation is, you know, it's not the documents. It's lying to the feds. And I, I don't know how he's quite going to get around that one. Yeah. As far as Cassidy Hudson and Rudy, it doesn't sound like it's it's a criminal. It just adds to a little bit of the uh, circus-like atmosphere that was going on. Around, she's, the, uh, she's the same one who claims that Trump was in the backseat of yes. the beast trying to get the uh, get Secret the Service. Yeah. yeah and, and I think her credibility fell apart on that one. This, the Secret Service were like, that's a preposterous story. It never sure. happened. So Rudy's that got was, enough problems. And sure. this woman's also trying to sell a book right now. That's so right. I'm not sure about her credibility. But again, it's a nice screaming headline for the media. Folks, again, he's our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week. At Med Urgent Care, when you need urgent care, Without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. AtMed Urgent Care. Comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you. Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need, urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, folks, we... Um, have learned that Gordy Ernst, originally from Cranston, he was part of the Varsity Blues, that big scandal regarding payments to get into, you know, select elite colleges and universities. He has been released from prison. He got the longest sentence of anyone in the Varsity Blues case. And my sources tell me he is on house arrest in the Maryland area. But he has been released from federal prison. He was a big hockey star, also a great tennis player from Cranston East. Gordy Ernst, he then went to George, uh, was the coach at Georgetown, both male, female. He got caught up in that whole varsity blues situation. And then he ended up at URI. But um, by that point, he, he was not 
there that long, but he has, in fact, uh, been released. Now, there's big news also. Rupert Murdoch is stepping down as chairman of Fox Fox News. Rupert Murdoch is going to retire in November, chairman of Fox and News Corp. He's 92 years old. He'll transition new role. Um, and um, his son, uh, Leland Murdoch, will become sole chairman. Folks, this is it's, it's really interesting just because basically the hit television show uh, Succession was built. It, it was really about the Murdochs. And in fact, there were people that were feeding the people that were writing for the television show and feeding them information about it. And a lot of the stories from that television program um, actually were indirectly, probably changed around just a little bit, but were in essence were stories that were happening in, in real life um, with the Murdoch program. So, but um, excuse me, the, the Murdoch family. But that's major news that he is stepping down as the head of News Corp. Now, this situation with the Patriot fan, it is still unknown. They um, have gotten some autopsy results. This is the guy that was tragically lost his life at the Patriot game against the Dolphins and the investigations going on. Let's pick up. This is a piece uh, done out of from Channel 10. Autopsy results don't suggest a traumatic injury, but the investigation into the death is ongoing, as NBC 10's Gabrielle Caracciolo reports tonight from Foxborough. Dale Mooney was a lifelong Patriots fan. He held season tickets here for more than 30 years. He died after he collapsed during a fight in the stands at Sunday's game. But according to the district attorney's office, the preliminary autopsy results don't suggest signs of a traumatic injury. 300 level, guy not breathing. The investigation continues into the death of Dale Mooney, the Patriots fan from New Hampshire who died after Sunday's game. We got an EMT coming, 300 level. They're performing CPR right now. He collapsed after a fight broke out in the upper level of the stands during the fourth quarter. This video obtained by NBC10 appears to show him being punched by a Dolphins fan. Police radio sound from that day paints a picture of how they came to his aid. Mooney later died at the hospital. Official cause and manner of death are still undetermined, but according to the district attorney's office, those preliminary results don't suggest a traumatic injury, but identified a medical issue. thought it was outrageous that somebody didn't intervene. The incident raising some concerns about security at games. I have never seen anything like that. In all fairness, it happens at all stadiums. People have a tendency of getting too drunk, getting too boisterous. Out in California, we have our share of problems as well as they do in Texas and Pittsburgh and Boston. People just need to learn to control themselves, enjoy the game, respect each other's uh, views, whether it's for the home team or the visiting team. We asked Gillette Stadium officials if there will be increased security at upcoming games. A spokesperson for the venue said it's their policy not to comment on specific security measures. They said they work on an event-by-event -event basis to keep things as safe as possible. DA's office says the investigation remains open and ongoing. So far, no charges have been announced. Coming up at 6 o'clock, how Mooney's being remembered by family and friends. In Foxborough, Gabrielle Caracciolo, NBC10 News. I mean, the whole thing is... Um it's terrible how that went down, folks. And, of course, I mean, it's just totally not worth it to lose your life. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, downtown Providence, wow, what a uh, huge disturbance. A lot of different thoughts and ideas on exactly what caused this. It was a, basically a riot on Tuesday afternoon. Police are still investigating. Seven arrested and it all has to do Kennedy Plaza, downtown Providence, right in front of Providence City Hall. <clears throat> that serves as the main bus hub for Ripta. So all of the buses pull in there. And one of the reports is the kids are all upset over the quality of the um, school lunch food. Let's pick up uh, some of the local reports. We'll start with NBC 10. Students flooding the streets, caught on camera, fighting with each other and police. Yes, yeah. several people arrested and police say it is the second time it happened this week. Tonight team's Leanna Folk is live with the latest from downtown. Leanna? 
Yeah, Dan, Patrice, things got pretty crazy here on Kennedy Plaza during that evening commute, but thankfully the dust has settled after witnesses say 300 kids descended downtown and it left a lot of people wondering what exactly happened and why. Mid-city melee. It's crazy. I can't like I can't believe this what happened today, but hundreds of school kids <laughs> going toe-to-toe -to -toe with police. It was just chaotic. It was really bad. It was scary. Witnesses say at least 300 kids stormed Kennedy Plaza Tuesday night. Videos show groups of minors attacking, yelling, pushing, and at times in handcuffs. There was fights over here, but that was outrageous. It was like a riot. Like, it was crazy. Police say the mayhem began after a fight broke out among students in the bus hub. That fight quickly broke into several other squabbles. Officers on scene responded, attempting to clear the crowd, but Donna Thomas says they were no match. To be honest, the kids outnumbered the cops and they were afraid more officers were called in this video obtained by nbc 10 providence police officers are seen tackling students at one point another student tried to step in but gets thrown to the side moments later pepper spray was deployed on the crowd everybody was getting pepper sprayed they pepper sprayed everybody in kp a similar incident happened yesterday according to providence police chief oscar perez and students say changes to school dismissal policies are to blame everybody's getting out of school they don't want none of this happening spokesperson for providence school says the release schedule was changed during the pandemic so schools are released around the same time but kyrell and his friends say the joint release forces kids to interact with other students they might have problems with so the change is doing more harm than good everybody's just trying to get home you yeah. feel me I don't nobody's think, trying to get pepper yeah. sprayed or none of that everybody went home literally crying and coughing it's just crazy city officials confirm five juveniles and two adults were arrested on disorderly conduct charges and they also say that one person reported minor injuries live in providence leanna falk nbc 10 news 19. you know there's a great line out of that students are forced to interact with people they don't like or don't know. Yeah, welcome to life. Welcome to what what happened? Look at the mentality that is actually being reported there with a straight face. Students are forced to interact and see and deal with people that they don't know and they don't like. Now, it's not much better with the adult side, with the, the story of the Patriot fan that was killed by a Dolphin fan. Sunday night has really taken hold, but we'll we'll get to that. But this business in that statement of, in essence, that students are forced to interact. Yeah, that's where you develop life skills. That's where you develop the ability for tolerance. Look at the excuses. The how about the these kids are saying, yeah, you know, people pepper sprayed, and you, do you think the police wanted to be there? Uh, well, you know, they have to interact with people they don't know. Of, of course, they're not going to go anywhere. Now, that was the NBC Ten report. This is the Channel 12 report. Let me hear this one. students here at Kennedy Plaza this afternoon. Witnesses say the students got off the Ripta buses and started fighting, and it's not the first time this has happened. Officers descended on Kennedy Plaza around 3 this afternoon, eventually taking five juveniles and two adults into custody following a large disturbance. Witnesses say a bunch of high schoolers gathered there and fights broke out. Police were forced to use pepper spray on the crowd. I just seen a lot of cops. There was like 40 cop cars and uh, there's people punching each other. There was a lot of fights breaking out and uh, they were spraying uh, pepper uh, gas at everybody. Officers dispersed the students and worked to get them on the proper buses home. In total, five juveniles are facing a variety of charges and two adults are charged with disorderly conduct. It's not clear what sparked this, but police told 12 News one student suffered minor injuries. This is the second day in a row a disturbance broke out at Kennedy Plaza. Police said an officer was injured while trying to disperse a crowd on Monday afternoon. I like the, um, well, well I, I like the years. Channel 10 report. I think it went a little more in depth. Um, they, the, the, whoever Channel 12, now I'm not convinced Channel 12 sent a reporter. It sounds like they just had a photographer there who was getting some sound from some people. You didn't hear any interaction. But how about in, in the school and go backing to the uh, Channel 10? How, how about teaching some life skills? How about teaching, here's what you do when you're going to another school 
and you're gonna your team is playing their team or they're coming into your school that business that somehow that these children are forced to interact now you also have to realize so the buses bring them there and then normally they get on buses and they go somewhere else that's what it should be about but not that channel 10 report is is essentially aiming and blaming the police the police would prefer not to be there the police normally are not there we are all the uh, elected officials where are the officials like senator tira mack that talk about counselors not cops get the cops out of school we're the you know education officials as if they care i mean i i think you start with some basic life skills you know some basic here's how you handle yourself in a store here's how you handle yourself when you're on a bus here's what's inappropriate here's what's appropriate this is an opportunity to teach them the proper way to behave now i have the video check petro.com we have some video of a lot of the fighting that was going on and it did it essentially turned into a riot and of course there's more students than police that that woman i i hate to say it there's more of course there's more students than police i can't believe some of the remarks that are made but what how about this is an opportunity to teach them how to behave in public how to follow the law and just how to be polite how to be well-mannered you don't have to like the other people but it doesn't mean you go up and start fighting them i mean it's it sounds uh i want to be cautious with language i'm going to use here but not in a very flattering term put it that way folks you're listening to the john DePietro show propane plus call them today heating and cooling in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252-3359 for propane plus three generations you can always depend on propane plus for all your heating and cooling call them today 401-885-4209 three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401 885-4209 885-4209 in Massachusetts 508-252-3359 the Johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus this portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln pop in and see them whether it's for lunch nice weather you can sit outside on the deck or maybe sit in the dining room delicious food then they also have a great full bar large dining area and you're going to love the lounge the lodge pub and eatery people rave about their delicious consistent great food and also the great staff i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln <music> 